You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've heard of the ancient lost civilization of Atlantis. Perhaps you've also heard of the lost continents of Lemuria and Mu. You've heard me talk about beliefs in the lost cradles of civilization, Hyperborea and Ultima Thule. But have you heard about the lost empire of Tartaria? Depending on your interests, and thus the calibration of your YouTube recommendation and search algorithms, and the pages you find promoted to you on Facebook, you may have learned a great deal about this globe-spanning mega-civilization in recent years. For example, you may have been surprised to find out that this ancient civilization, which originated in central Eurasia as a vast kingdom encompassing most of Siberia, was so successful that it spread around the world, even into the Americas, and that even today we can see the remnants of this civilization's grand architecture. Your surprise may have turned to wonder and dismay as you learned of a great worldwide catastrophe, a flood akin to Noah's, but composed of mud that destroyed most evidence of this magnificent civilization. Your wonder and dismay likely further turned to shock and outrage as you learned of a global conspiracy to suppress the history of the Tartarian Empire, to cover up the existence of this mud flood and to claim the impressive accomplishments of their advanced culture as our own. In this unusual episode of Historical Blindness, I will expose this vast conspiracy and reveal this secret history of our world for what it is. I'm Nathaniel Lloyd, and though I typically debunk conspiracy claims, this is a special occasion during which I tell you that this one time Perhaps you should believe. So throw out everything you know about the history of the world. Disregard everything you think you understand about ethnology, geography, architecture, and geology. And prepare to be awakened from the sleep of ignorance, liberated from the herd of the sheeple. But first, to unlock the mystery of Tartaria, you must remember this key phrase. Write it down. Study it. Keep it at the forefront of your thoughts. The two words vital to solving this enigma are so simple, you've certainly heard them before. April Fools. Thanks for joining me for The Lost Empire of Tartaria. 
Before we continue, I want to thank my newest patrons, Voidtech Duminsky, Michael, and Andrew. And special thanks to Diana and Fringe Division for increasing their pledge amounts, and to Rochelle for her generous donation on Venmo. I really appreciate all my patron support. Listeners who pledge on patreon.com slash historicalblindness get an exclusive RSS link that'll set up an ad-free feed of the show with teasers and exclusive episodes. I always try to release at least one minisode a month, but sometimes I have time and material for more. For example, during my recent four-part mega-series on Kennedy assassination conspiracy claims, I released a 15-20 to minute minisode tie-in after every installment. Patron feeds also get episodes early, and their episodes are not interrupted by advertisements. So visit patreon.com slash historicalblindness and support the show. Or you can support the show by making a one-time donation at historicalblindness.com slash donate, or at the PayPal link in the show notes, or on Venmo at historicalblindness. Now, on with the episode. Welcome to Historical Blindness. Sorry about that cold open. I couldn't resist. There's something very satisfying to me about the idea that some proponent of the Tartarian Empire conspiracy mythos might stumble upon or seek out this episode of the podcast and think at first that I'm promoting this nonsense, when actually this is perhaps the most absurd pseudo-historical conspiracy delusion I've ever heard. It cannot be taken seriously making it a perfect topic for my April Fool's episode. However, there are other reasons I feel compelled to address this somewhat obscure claim now. First, it is new and growing. Some have likened it to QAnon because of its agglomeration of other conspiracy claims. And while it is still in its infancy, it seems important to make the public aware of it and its rather surprising implications. According to Brian Dunning, whose Skeptoid blog and podcast covered it briefly about a year ago, the Tartarian Empire claims exist solely online, having first appeared on YouTube conspiracist channels around 2016 and gaining traction in 2017 and beyond on Reddit, Facebook, and elsewhere. He confirmed this using Google Trends, though when I tried to reproduce his findings, I was seeing it spike more in 2018. A quick search of word frequency and publications using Google Ingram corroborates that the topic became more common in the mid to late 2010s, but also suggests that it was not a purely online phenomenon, although any early conspiracist publications could very well have been inspired from online content, rather than vice versa. However, the reliability of these tools in determining the origin of such pseudo-histories and conspiracy claims is decidedly questionable. For example, it is entirely possible that these conspiracy claims crossed over into the English-speaking world from foreign language publications that aren't mined in an Ingram search, 
or from online content in another language that, if I understand the tool correctly, wouldn't show up in a Google Trends search, even if it were set to conduct a worldwide search because the keyword used is in English. This appears to be the case with the claims about a global Tartarian empire, as there is good reason to believe this pseudo-history originated in Russia and may have spread to the West as online propaganda or disinformation. So, surprisingly, this ridiculous topic is actually very relevant to current events, particularly the ongoing war and humanitarian crisis in the Ukraine. But I will get to that. Let us start with a simple refutation of the Tartaria mythos. It has been suggested that the entirety of the Tartaria conspiracy myth can be blamed on conspiracists looking at historical maps and getting confused because of their ignorance of certain aspects of history. In truth, there appears to be something far more insidious behind this conspiracy myth than simple misunderstanding and well-meant speculation. But let's have a look at this explanation just the same as we will have to address the name Tartaria anyway. So the idea goes that the whole thing is due to the fact that many old maps label massive swaths of inner Eurasia as Tartaria or Tartary. It is claimed that, lacking the knowledge of what this term referred to, conspiracists jumped to the conclusion that there must have been a huge kingdom or nation-state called Tartaria that has since disappeared. From there, the theory goes, they let their speculation about this presumably lost civilization run wild. It is certainly true that these old maps using the label of Tartary or Tartaria are frequently raised as evidence for these outlandish conspiracy claims, and their proponents do indeed reject the simple and historically accurate explanation for why these regions were called Tartary. Prior to the 18th century, the West lacked much knowledge about the peoples and societies within Siberia and Central and Inner Asia, and simply called all of them Tatars, which then became Tartars, and their lands Tartary. It was a blanket term, similar to the way ancient Greeks called all the lands northeast of Europe Scythia and any nomadic people from that vague area came to be called Scythians. Some scholars suggest the initial name Tatar derived from a Chinese word, Dada, which dated to the 9th century CE and was used to refer to any nomads north of China. Indeed, it was the bellicose northern peoples of the Eurasian steppe that the Chinese had built the Great Wall to keep out who would eventually come to be called Tatars by the West, such as the Manchu and Mongol peoples, as well as Turkic tribes. As mentioned in my episode on Prester John, a legend that somewhat coincides with Tartaria claims, since it talks of a magical kingdom in the same region, the term Tatar appears to have become Tartar because of a racist pun. According to Matthew Paris, King Louis IX of France 
Hearing news about the hellish ravages of Mongol forces invading Europe, said of the so-called Tatars, quote, well, may they be called Tartars, for their deeds are those of fiends from Tartarus, end quote, which of course was the Latin name for Hades. Thus, the corruption Tartars was supposedly coined, basically calling the Mongol hordes demons from hell. As the West did not have much concrete knowledge of the political geography of the region from whence these hordes had come, European cartographers indiscriminately slapped the name Tartary, or Tartaria, onto vast tracts of land. In subsequent centuries, the label was persistently applied to a wide range of distinct peoples and regions, such that later maps might distinguish lesser from greater Tartary, or eastern from western Tartary. Eventually, as ethnological knowledge of the region's peoples grew, further distinctions had to be made, such that those in Manchuria were called Manchu Tartars, and those in the eastern reaches of the Russian Sardom were called Muscovite Tartars. Gradually, the term was dropped altogether, with only the occasional remnant to be found. As will be seen, the origin of the Tartarian Empire conspiracy claims found online today are not the result of simple ignorance of the story behind some old cartographic labels, but this ignorance is clearly exploited by or feeds into the conspiracy claim, providing plenty of fodder for supposed primary source evidence that may seem convincing to a layperson who encounters these conspiracy claims online. It is because of such out-of-date and inaccurate maps, along with a heaping portion of racial stereotyping, that the belief in a Tartarian empire in the Americas can be found. That's right, we are not only talking about an inner Eurasian lost civilization. As I indicated in the beginning, believers claim the remnants of a lost Tartarian empire can be found all over the United States as well. As evidence, they will cite maps from the 17th century that happen to have the word Tartorum near the Bering Strait and visually group North America with Eastern Asia according to the same color. With a simple translation of the Latin, they would be able to tell that the blurb with the word Tartorum is describing the Mongol tribes on the other side of the strait, not in North America and describes a simple rural life that is very different from the technologically advanced civilization they imagined Tartaria was. Likewise, they will bring up a 19th century map of the, quote, distribution of races in the world, end quote, that, again, color codes sections of Eurasia and much of North America to indicate the presence of the same culture. This racist 19th century map chooses the color yellow for Asia and these portions of North America, and tellingly, it labels these areas Mongolian, not Tartarian. The cartographer appears to have mistakenly conflated Mongolian and Inuit cultures, as the portions of North America identified as Mongolian are predominantly north of the Arctic Circle. 
Of course, in the distant past, Native American peoples likely did migrate across the strait and were distantly related to Eurasian nomads. Specifically, ethnologists recognize that the Yupik Aboriginal peoples dwell in both Alaska and Siberia. But again, we are talking about rural nomads, not an advanced civilization that, according to believers, is responsible for the construction of architecturally magnificent edifices. Nevertheless, to the proponents of the Tartarian Empire fiction, these cherry-picked maps are evidence that Grand Tartary, the mythical civilization that they have built up in their minds to Atlantean proportions, was present in the Americas. And though their own false evidence would suggest it could only be found above the Arctic Circle, they claim it was present everywhere. As proof, they point to almost any ornate building constructed in any architectural style other than modern. And they say, that must have been a Tartarian structure, because we don't build things like that in our culture. This may sound like hyperbole, but it's not. They really do point to any pre-modern structure that is especially impressive and elaborately decorative, and they claim it was not built, could not have been built, by builders of our culture. In some ways, the conspiracist proponents of a global Tartarian empire are traditionalists, or nostalgists. They seem to value only an old-fashioned or ancient style of building, and reject all modernist architecture as ugly, nondescript, and thus inferior. One Norwegian YouTuber focused on Tartaria, Joachim Skar, lumps all of modernist and therefore non-Tartarian architecture together under the label of brutalism, although that is a very specific offshoot of modernist architecture that emerged in the 1950s and declined in the 1970s. However, the name, brutalism, and the aesthetics of it provide a striking counterpoint to what he and others call Tartarian architecture, which again lumps together many known styles from classical, baroque, gothic, and renaissance to beaux-arts, neoclassical, second empire, and Greek revival. Again, any sufficiently ornate building with columns supporting entablatures with carved friezes and cornices with scroll work, or any building with an especially elaborate roof, like a mansard or a cupola or a large dome, seems, in their fevered imaginations, to be a relic of this lost civilization. As evidence, they hold up old photos from 19th century America in which can be seen such grand edifices, usually municipal buildings like city halls or state capitals, rising above simple wood frame houses and shacks or on otherwise empty stretches of dirt fields. To them, these are evidence that 19th century Americans were living among the ruins of this vanished civilization when in fact the photos depict nation-building. With a basic grasp of the fact that the construction of such government buildings was well-funded and that architects were specifically sought out and well-paid to design impressive architectural structures, it's quite clear 
why such projects were initially surrounded by empty space and simple A-frame clabbered hovels. But like most conspiracists, the Tartarian Empire proponents believe there are secrets to uncover in almost any old book or photo they pore over, no matter how widely available they might be. They find beautiful old buildings that no longer exist, and they decide they have uncovered another clue about the destruction of Tartarian structures. For example, the Chicago Federal Building, whose dome was larger than the U.S. Capitol's dome, but which was demolished after about 60 years. Or the slender 27-story Singer Building in New York City, which for a time was the tallest building in the world, but was leveled in the 1960s. Their speculation about the ancient and mysterious origins of such buildings simply disregard their known history. To wit, the head of the Singer Manufacturing Company, makers of the famous sewing machines, commissioned the Singer Building as their New York headquarters and hired architect Ernest Flagg to design it. Such historical details to the Tartaria conspiracists are just more lies covering up the truth. Perhaps the most absurd claim they've made is that the impressive temporary complex of ornate facades built out of straw and plaster of Paris for the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago, the so-called White City, was actually a grand Tartarian metropolis that, quote-unquote, they have pretended was not real. Much of their idiotic claims boil down to not just ignorance of history, but amateurish misunderstanding about architecture that I imagine would really gall any actual architects. They point to the fact that grand buildings of certain distinct styles can be found all over the world. But of course, that is because architectural trends spread internationally. They claim that the shift away from these ornate buildings that are so aesthetically pleasing to them and the movement toward the concrete and steel architecture of modernism is a clear sign of the disappearance of the Tartarian culture, when in fact there are plenty of books written by modernist architects and city planners like Le Corbusier that expound on their reasoning and argument for moving away from more classical styles. And finally, they claim that our culture simply couldn't have produced such beautiful structures, and yet plenty of new classical architects design such buildings even today. Take, for example, the neo-Gothic Whitman College at Princeton, built in 2002, or the classical Greek architecture of the Schirmerhorn Symphony Center, built in Nashville, the so-called Athens of the South, in 2006. Simply put, one gets the impression that these Tartarian Empire YouTubers and Reddit posters are just basement dwellers in boring towns who have only recently discovered the beauty of fancy buildings and simply cannot believe such structures are American. Instead, they envision a massive megaculture of advanced builders. Joachim Scar, the aforementioned YouTuber, has been quoted as claiming, quote, the same people that built the Capitol in Washington built the pyramids in Egypt, end quote. And that gives us a sense 
of the great depths of ignorance displayed by these conspiracists. Now for a brief intermission. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Do you find yourself captivated by the inexplicable, entranced by enigmas, and tantalized by the unknown? We are Shane and Josh Waters, brothers who will weave you through tales that have mystified us for years. From haunted hotels to inexplicable disappearances, our episodes offer you a panoramic view of the world's greatest mysteries, leaving no stone unturned, no clue unnoticed. With a gripping narrative, we invite you to join us on a journey into realms of the unexplained. We're unraveling the mysteries that have perplexed humanity for ages. So, armchair detectives, curious minds, and seekers of the strange, it's time to put on your headphones and dim the lights. Dive into the uncanny world of the Mystery Inc. podcast and prepare for a journey into the unknown that you'll never forget. And remember, some mysteries are better left unsolved, but not unexplored. Now, back to the show. Equally absurd are their explanations for why there does not exist ample archaeological evidence of this widespread culture, aside from, oh, say, all the surviving buildings they claim are artifacts of the culture, and all the photographs of their buildings that are no longer standing? Well, they say there was a worldwide catastrophe that destroyed much of their culture. It was much like the flood of Genesis, in that it swept into every Tartarian city across the globe, destroying the inhabitants and their records and monuments. They call it the quote-unquote Great Reset, Unlike the biblical flood, though, this was a quote-unquote mud flood, 
and in its wake, entire Tartarian cities were left entirely or partially buried. Just what would cause such a global flow of mud is not typically clarified. Some have suggested that it was the result of a worldwide volcanic event caused by mud volcanoes. Mud volcanoes are real, and instead of producing magma flows, they produce slurries of warm mud. However, even some cursory research into mud volcanoes would reveal that they are typically small and don't cause mass destruction. In fact, they are often identified more as hot springs and can be enjoyed as natural mud baths. It's pretty clear some Tartaria quote-unquote researcher went looking for a feasible reason for the mud flood they invented, found mention of a mud volcano and said bingo, not bothering to read much more into the topic. But of course, anyone who would believe in a global mud flood isn't thinking too hard about the science of geology or the analysis of strata performed at any dig site that could handily disprove their quote-unquote theory. But they still find supposed evidence for their mud flood, once again in old photos. They bring up black and white photos from the 19th century that show people digging, whether employing hand shovels, mule teams, or steam shovels, especially if there is a fancy building around them. Of course, civic engineering requires a lot of digging like this, even today. Hills must be flattened and depressions filled in order to make streets flat. It's no great mystery, but Tartarian Empire conspiracists go further, pointing to photos of Gilded Age buildings with windows at ground level and saying that they all appear to be sunken into the ground. Again, these quote-unquote theorists seem woefully unfamiliar with buildings generally. But maybe they aren't basement dwellers after all, since if they were, they would easily recognize these as basement windows. And perhaps the most ridiculous thing about this mud flood aspect of their claims is that since they're using photos from the 1800s as evidence, they played themselves and had to place their supposed worldwide mud flood catastrophe in the 19th century. That's right, these geniuses claim that a global catastrophe happened sometime between the Industrial Revolution and the Gilded Age, and there is no record of it anywhere. And they don't even bother explaining how it only seemed to affect the Tartarians, and us lousy non-Tartarians escaped it just fine. But hold on, the other element of the so-called Great Reset, besides the global destruction caused by the mud flood, was the purposeful erasure of Tartarian history. Or at least that's what they claim. In fact, believers in Tartaria claim that most major armed conflicts of the 19th and 20th centuries were actually about Tartaria. They say Napoleon's 1812 invasion of Russia was really a war against Tartaria, and that after the mud flood, the world wars of the 20th century were all actually just excuses to destroy all remaining traces of Tartaria. What is their evidence of such a cover-up? Well, they too use Google Ingram, and they find it suspicious 
that use of the words Tartaria and Tartary plummet to non-existent following the 19th century. But of course, we know why that is. It's because we stopped using an inaccurate blanket term that was actually a pun suggesting they were from hell, and instead started calling them Mongols or some other more accurate name. However, never let it be said that conspiracy speculators aren't ingenious, for they managed in their blindly focused keyword searches to turn up an obscure declassified CIA report on quote, national cultural development under communism, end quote. In it, there exists a paragraph that is presented as smoking gun evidence of a cover-up of Tartaria's history. It reads as follows, quote, let us take the matter of history, which along with religion, language, and literature constitute the core of a people's cultural heritage. Here again, the communists have interfered in a shameless manner. For example, on 9 August 1944, the Central Committee of the Communist Party, sitting in Moscow, issues a directive ordering the party's Tartar Provincial Committee to proceed to a scientific revision of the history of Tartaria, to liquidate serious shortcomings and mistakes of a nationalistic character committed by individual writers and historians in dealing with Tartar history. In other words, Tartar history was to be rewritten, let us be frank, was to be falsified." End quote. The obvious problem here, of course, is that the CIA appear to be condemning communist revision of quote-unquote Tartar history, which simply isn't in keeping with the idea that the erasure of Tartarian history was a global conspiracy, which likely would have to involve the CIA. But the real issue is that this oft-used quote is taken entirely out of context. Only this paragraph in the entire report mentions Tartaria, and this is only because they are quoting a communist committee that uses the term. The rest of the report makes it clear that the CIA is talking about communist attacks on Islam and the Muslim peoples within their authority. Furthermore, if they even gave enough context to quote the entirety of the last sentence, it would be revealed that the history of these Muslim people was being rewritten or falsified, quote, in order to eliminate references to great Russian aggressions, so that the Russians always appear in a good light, end quote. And this, the fact that Russians have long been engaged in a revision of history producing a pseudo-history intended to serve their political purposes and falsely burnish their image leads us to what may be the true origin and sinister purpose of this batshit crazy conspiracy claim. The way that the Tartaria conspiracy claims blithely do away with massive parts of world history somewhat reminds me of the claims of chronological revisionists that I previously discussed at great length in a three-part series. Indeed, searching Google Trends for Tartaria, one sees Phantom Time, the chronological revision theory of Herbert Illig that I spoke about in my series, listed as a related query. Furthermore, it has been suggested that the origins of the Tartaria claims can actually be traced 
to the chronological revisionist writings of Russian mathematician Anatoly Fomenko. I encourage listeners to go back to my Chronological Revision Chronicles series, specifically Part 1, The Fomenko Timeline, to hear more about this figure and his theories. In brief, Fomenko claims to use statistical analysis and astronomical data to prove that entire eras of accepted history didn't actually occur. Instead, he argues that much of accepted history is actually duplicated from medieval history. He has been nicknamed the Terminator due to his penchant for finding reasons to delete vast swaths of history, and his rewriting of biblical history has drawn the ire of the Russian Orthodox Church. But Fomenko found popularity and success in writing about history with his new chronology book series, History, Fiction, or Science, bringing him far more fame than he had ever earned as a mathematician. He claims to be politically impartial, but historians and critics of his work, especially Konstantin Sheko, who wrote extensively about the implications of Fomenko's claims in his PhD thesis, point out that Fomenko's work fits clearly into an ethno-nationalist tradition of producing pseudo-history and alternative history that presents the Russian people and their history in certain favorable ways. As the CIA report I referenced indicates, this historical negation, denialism, and revisionism had been perpetrated by the Soviets, but as Sheiko describes, it continued in a somewhat different vein after the fall of the Soviet Union, as Russia sought out some post-Soviet identity. Among these pseudo-historians, Russian identity, its greatness, is in its power and control of space on the world map. Thus, they find reason to suggest that a great Russian empire existed long before the Soviet Union or the Tsardom of Rus. Others in this category see Russian identity wrapped up in racial heritage, and they trot out the old myth of an Aryan people. Though he feigns academic impartiality, Fomenko's work is at the forefront of this movement to forge a false ethno-nationalist historical identity for Russia. When he eliminates entire periods of history, he typically claims that they are duplications of Russian ancient history. The Holy Roman Empire? Well, that is just the appropriated history of a great Russian empire. His alternate history is, at its heart, one in which the accomplishments of Russia are far greater and its greatness has been stolen from it and attributed to other regions and historical periods. According to Fomenko, the Mongols, formerly known as Tatars or Tartars, did not exist as such. Instead, he claims that there existed a vast Slav-Turk empire, not a Mongol horde, but rather a Russian horde. In this way, he and other Russians can deny that they ever came under the Mongol yoke. The Mongol invasion, he claims, was a myth invented by the Romanov dynasty and the church. In fact, Genghis Khan was a Russian, complete with European features. So under it all, all the mathematical reasoning, the elaborate statistical and astronomical proofs behind Anatoly Fomenko's new chronology, we see the ugly head of Aryan mythology, 
of white supremacy rearing. Is the Tartaria nonsense actually the new chronology repackaged? In turn, is it just Russian ethno-nationalist propaganda, as the work of Fomenko is revealing itself to be? Well, you could describe both as the myth of a vast Siberian inner-Asian empire whose history has been stolen and erased. In their reaction against the historical distortions of Tsarist and church propaganda, communists initiated their own revision and falsification of history, as the CIA observed in the aforementioned report. And after the fall of communism, a new false history has emerged, still intent on painting Russia in the best light and justifying its geopolitical power plays. Just as Vladimir Putin today justifies his invasion of the Ukraine with falsehoods, claiming that it has always been a part of Russia and has no historical right to independence, his nationalist rhetoric is validated by, or perhaps inspired by, the pseudo-historian Anatoly Fomenko, who claims that Ukraine has no identity apart from Russia for its people were always only part of his quote-unquote Russian horde. This pseudo-history tacitly justifies war crimes. So what am I arguing? I suppose I'm arguing what others before me have argued, that the Tartarian Empire conspiracy myth originates from Russian disinformation spread online to the Western world by professional Russian propagandists and transforming along the way through a weird digital version of the telephone game to something almost unrecognizable. This may itself sound like a conspiracy speculation, but the fact that Russian propaganda programs are active in spreading disinformation through bots and puppet accounts run out of troll farms is well known. We also know that they are involved with the encouragement of the growth of conspiracy claims. Hell, that goes back a long time before QAnon and COVID-19 conspiracies on social media. Back in the 1980s, the KGB ran a disinformation campaign aimed at encouraging the baseless conspiracy claim that the U.S. government was responsible for the creation and spread of HIV-AIDS. Now, there is a fast-spreading conspiracy theory about the existence of an ancient, suppressed mega-empire that originated in their region, and it is remarkably similar to the ethno-national propaganda Russia's president spouts as a pretext for expansion, asserting the Russians are just reclaiming what has always been theirs. Tell me that doesn't sound like there's a connection. What's really scary is if Putin starts to assert that the ancestral claim of the Russian people extends all the way to America, where the Tartarian Empire is said to have formerly reigned. As with that other conspiracy mythos, QAnon, that has likely been encouraged every step of the way by Russian disinformation campaigns online, the Tartarian Empire hoax has grown to become a mega-theory 
as its proponents take a buffet-style approach, incorporating into the myth complex any pet theory or crazy notion they fancy. One can imagine that it's especially hard to control a conspiracy narrative once it has been fed to the conspiracy nut community. Thus, we see claims about the Illuminati come in to explain the worldwide cover-up, or of the Jewish world conspiracy, which isn't that surprising considering its connection to Russian claims of Aryan supremacy. Tartarian conspiracy nuts also scrutinize old portraits of Genghis Khan and speculate that he may have been more European-looking, more white, than he is otherwise portrayed. To further explain why the existence of Tartaria had to be covered up, conspiracists have incorporated elements of the fantastical claims about Atlantis or Hollow Earth civilizations, namely that the Tartarians had advanced technology, free wireless energy technology to be more specific, and that the powers that be conspired to hide this from the energy-dependent masses. And then there is the doozy that Tartaria was actually peopled by giants. Never mind that all the buildings they identify as Tartarian are made for regular-sized people. They found a few photos of grand oversized doors, and of course they found statuary and paintings depicting, you guessed it, giants. They link the existence of giants in the lands of Tartary through the tales of Gog and Magog, which have historically been associated with Mongolians, as I discussed in my episode on Prester John. And from there, it just devolved into photoshopped hoaxes of gigantic bones. But the argument against the historical existence of giants deserves to have its own episode, and would be too much of a digression here at the end of this one. To conclude, let's just hope that the fringe nutcases who have taken up the Tartarian standard and run with it online continue to take the idea in such ridiculous and fantastical directions that it becomes ever more laughable and thus, if we're lucky, useless as Russian propaganda. Thanks for listening to Historical Blindness. Special thanks go out to my partner patrons, Diane, Robert, Evelyn, Joe E, Devlin, Jessica, Fred, Robin, Mateo, Seth the Writing Spook, Emily, Katie, Elizabeth, Terry, Isabella, Rebecca, Don, Eunice, Juliet, Antonios, Jonathan, and Joshua. I know you are no April Fools. I'm sure I didn't have you going at all during my cold open. You know I wouldn't entertain such bunk. Some music on this episode is copyright Alex Kish. Visit alexkishmusic.com and contact him to get compositions for your own projects. Additional music from Kai Engel, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. Check out the show notes for a list of the tracks used. You can support the show by pledging on Patreon or on PayPal. Find those links in the show notes. Until next time, remember, conspiracy theories are not the same as they used to be.
when you'd find them in some paperback book with an eerie cover or hear them broadcast by Art Bell during the witching hour. Now, they're spread online by your aunt on Facebook after she was recommended to click on a page or join a group that is full of Russian disinformation. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.